Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Believe in UCLA podcast, the UCLA sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Sam Conan, joined once again by my co-host, Travis Reed. How you doing, Travis? Good, good, Sam. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Uh, so initially, we thought this show would be kind of an immediate post-game reaction to UCLA men's basketball, taking on Washington. That game is supposed to be played up in Seattle uh, earlier today. We're recording on Sunday, but uh, a key word there is supposed to. Uh, that game gets canceled. A few uh, COVID cases in the Huskies program, so that game gets called off. So we'll be talking about uh, how UCLA beat Colorado. Uh, they they kind of ran away with things, held on to win that one on Wednesday, and now they, they have 10 days off before this Marquette game coming up Saturday, so we'll break that down. Uh, and then UCLA football is going bowling. They are going to the Holiday Bowl uh, and will be playing number 18 NC State down in San Diego on December 28th. So we'll break that down. And then a lot of transfer portal news uh, for the, the football team. You got guys leaving. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a different situation nowadays, though, than than it has been in the past. So we'll talk about who's leaving, who's coming, what what all the all the info is there. So. Uh, and before we get started, I mean, so those, those are just what we're talking about on the show today, but all UCLA sports right now are just absolutely crazy. You, I, I just came from the women's basketball game. They just won 112 to 33. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Okay. Who yeah. are they playing? <laughs> San, San Jose state. It beat them by 79 points. So just wanted to shout that out because <laughs> geez, that was just a slaughter. And yes. Then, uh, I have nothing. I look. I never thought it would be possible till we saw it earlier this week with uh, o- Oklahoma City and uh, Memphis, where oh yeah, one like seventy-five six. point game, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so UCLA women winning by that much is just that much props because I've never seen any game like that before. Yeah, as well, Natalie Cho and Mari Tom- uh, Thomas both had thirty-point games, so that's crazy. Uh, UCLA men's water polo. They were they were playing for the national championship this weekend. They end up losing the semifinals. Uh, that that match went to overtime against Cal. Uh, then women's volleyball. They're going to the the Sweet Sixteen. So it's a it's a busy time of year in Westwood. So we are here to break it down for you, Travis and I. Uh, if you're looking for uh, any coverage on that, you can head over to uh, All Bruins which is the uh, UCLA sp- uh, site on Sports Illustrated that I'm the managing editor and publisher of. But with all of that out of the way, let's open things up with a little bowl talk. Uh, UCLA, NC State coming up in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. We know the matchup. We know the city. We know we got Petco, Petco Park in, in a baseball stadium again for the Bruins. 
So Travis, what, what was your immediate reaction to, to kind of seeing this matchup when it got announced earlier, earlier today? Uh, pretty much happy for UCLA. Um, like I said, they've had a, people would say like, Oh no, it's, you know, we're not this and that. I'm like, they had a great season. You know, they won eight games. Um, even though they, the, the, the loss, they had some losses. They shouldn't have lost, you know, uh, you know, earlier, the one at home, they should have never lost. Yeah, Fresno lost, State. You know, Fresno yeah. State, they should have yeah, never they, lost. Yeah, they have a, a, a pretty much game-winning drive in the last two minutes and then just wipe it out immediately by giving up another touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I'm, I'm really happy for the, for the team. I think that uh, NC State is a good team, good team, but very beatable because, you know, Whenever these teams from like uh, ACC and things like that come to the California, you know, come to San Diego, come to the you know, they're like so enamored with uh, where they're at. Uh, they might not be as focused, but the, the matchup is a good matchup for UCLA, I believe. Um, and it's a very winnable game, very winnable game. And like I, like I told you, if he wins out and he goes nine and four, then he's going to stay. He might sign an extension. Yeah, I, I feel we'll we'll touch on a, l- a little Chip Kelly <laughs> stuff a little bit before we move on. But just sticking to this game for now, uh, I mean, NC State they went nine and three in the regular season. Uh, they almost went to the ACC championship game, but they so they ended the season nine and three regular season uh, with mm-hmm. six and two in conference. So same mm-hmm. number of mm-hmm. conference wins as UCLA. Mm-hmm. Uh, ACC plays eight instead of the, the nine the Pac twelve play. So. Uh, they're pretty much on, on equal footing there. If UCLA plays one more cupcake game in, in September, then they pretty much have the same record. Uh, and, and then if you look at who they beat, uh, they started, they, they beat South Florida, then they lost to Mississippi State. Uh, so it didn't start off great, but, I mean, they beat South Florida 45 nothing, so that, that carried some weight. Mm-hmm. Then they just whooped Furman, and it doesn't even matter, doesn't count, whatever. Uh, Clemson, who was number nine at the time, they beat yeah, them that 27, was their, that 21. Was, yeah, that was our game of the year. I watched that game. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was huge. Turns out Clemson was mediocre and they were bad by Clemson standards, but they're, they were all right. So that's, that's still a good win. Uh, Louisiana tech win BC, they, they beat BC who ended up being bowl eligible, barely lost to Miami. who's kind of a 500 team. So, I mean, you look at some of these games where, I mean, they competed with Wake Forest, who was a top 10 team. They only, they only lost that by three. Uh, they, they, like you said, they're beatable. They lose to 500 teams. I mean, UCLA is eight and four, but I mean, with eight wins over teams that aren't over 500 and four losses to teams that are, that are above 500, you can say like, okay, they're probably in the same class as any team that's really any power five team that's in the eight and four to six and six range. And those teams have been able to beat NC State, especially uh, on the road, because you look at the Miami game was at Miami. They lose that Uh, Wake Forest at Wake Forest. They lose that Uh, Mississippi State was at Mississippi State. They lost that. They ended up two and three on the road. So seven and oh at home. That's great. But they can be playing pretty far from from home. It's a it's a basically a home game for UCLA. San Diego is drive up the coast. Uh, it's not that far from UCLA fans. I'm pretty sure a lot of UCLA fans probably live in San Diego because it's so nice right by the beach. So, yeah, I think that uh, it'll be basically a home game for UCLA. Yeah, definitely. And just looking at NC State's past bowl history, the last three years, they went to two Gator Bowls and lost them both. Uh, so uh, NC State's been pretty good. They went nine wins, nine wins, four wins, eight wins, nine wins over the past couple of years. 
so they're always a pretty good regular season team, uh, but lately they have not been able to get those bowl wins to kind of finish the season on a high note. Uh, but I would say they do have a very, very dangerous pass game this year, uh, just from the mm-hmm. preliminary stuff that, that people have been taking a look at. Uh, their, their quarterback, Devin Leary, uh, he had pretty much 3,500 passing yards, 35 touchdowns, to five picks this year. Uh, he's not very mobile. He ended the year with negative rushing yards just because of sacks and all that. Um, but he is just a, a, a guy who can absolutely tear you apart. I, I feel like you look at what Jake Hayner did, uh, the Fresno State QB. Yes, yes, and yes, yes. That's really NC that's State's blueprint to victory. Yeah. That's, that's what they want to do. They want to watch tape from that Fresno State game say, how did Jake Hayner absolutely tear up the, the secondary and just do the same thing? And and you'd like to think that the, the UCLA secondary has grown since then, since that was middle of September, and now we're it, by the time this game happens, it'll be the end of December. And the last time out there, they shut down Chase Garbers. So who knows? Maybe the UCLA pass defense is different, but handling Devin Leary is going to be a problem. No, yeah, definitely. He And like I said, I've watched him play. I watched him when they played Clemson. He is basically the same quarterback as the one for Fresno State. He is a pocket quarterback. He's going to throw it in the pocket. He's going to try to get it out to his receivers, those at the athletes he have of the receiver. Um, they're, you know, like their run game is good, but, you know, not nothing, you know, you said he hasn't seen. Um, but he he's a stand, he's a pocket. He's a pocket quarterback that if you give him the opportunity, uh, he can pick you apart, you know. Um I think UCLA is going to have to win this game. They're going to have to bring a lot of pressure. So a lot of blitzing, a lot of, you know, like corner blitzes, safety blitzes, just kind of get him off of his spot. Cause if he's in the spot, he's going to kill you. Yeah. So, so basically what, what you're saying is it's a big Quantrez night game. Oh, this one is definitely <laughs> all on Q night, <laughs> but and he's, he's, a, he's one of those super seniors who can't come back no matter what next year. So he's going to be going all out. Uh, we got plenty of time to talk about this bowl game over the next few weeks. Cause like mm-hmm. we said, it's not till between Christmas and new year's. So we'll break this game down a little bit more when we, we got more info on, on what's going on. Uh, but we'll, we'll get back to a little more football at the end of the show, but for now let's move on to some hoops, uh, UCLA men's basketball. Like we were saying earlier, they ended up beating Colorado 73 61 on Wednesday. And then a couple of days later, they have their game against Washington canceled. Counts as a forfeit, uh, so UCLA gets the conference win, but it doesn't give them anything in terms of their overall record. Uh, Travis, just before we get into this, I wonder, obviously we're in such a different time now with COVID and everything. Did you ever have a game canceled at the college level or even high school? Like, like Have you ever had anything like that happen? No, never. <laughs> um, I would say I've had it happen overseas. Okay. Where the what happened was the team that we were playing, they didn't. I guess they over underestimated uh, how much time they had to put down the basketball court on the on the floor, because uh, it was like it was used as something else, right? Mm-hmm. And so they had to you know put the floor together, and they basically they overestimated how long uh, the time they had. So we were there <laughs> for like an hour, two hours, and our coach got mad. We're like, forget this. Uh, call the game or, you know, give us, give them the loss, you know, to the Federation. And so they gave them the loss, you know, and, uh, we had to make up the game, but they gave them the loss anyway. So, and then we beat that team. So they basically had two losses instead of one, (laughs) 
Um, but other than that, never. I've never seen a real college uh, basketball game or high school, by that matter, uh, called off. Uh, you know, obviously, like you said, like well, COVID is a little different, but like usually if like say maybe three or four players have got the COVID, usually maybe there's six or seven that at least can play, you know. But the fact that I guess there was so many COVID cases that they were like, we got to forfeit the game. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, it's definitely tough. Because, I mean, UCLA, we, we talked all fall about how how packed their non-conference schedule was in terms of the the quality of opponent. But it's also packed in terms of there's not really time to put another game. So, I mean, it, it, it was just they have finals coming up this week. They didn't really have too many other options except say, well, Screw it. We'll, we'll take the, the pity win, whatever it ends up being. <laughs> but uh, I, let's, let's touch a little bit on that Colorado game just quickly since uh, it happened a couple of days ago. Um, I, I just want to point out Jaime Jaquez, I think, uh, played a couple minutes uh, and then basically had his head slammed against the floor when he fell yeah, after a yeah. foul. Um, Mick Cronin was saying he was trying to get back in the game even after halftime. He went out to shoot around. Uh, he said he was fine. Coaching staff said, let's take it easy. We, we, we can... We can win this one pretty fine. We're not going to risk yeah. it. Uh, so that, I mean, ended up being the right decision. Hopefully he's back soon. Uh, but it's also a big game for Miles Johnson. Uh, Miles Johnson on defense, deflections all over the place. Uh, Tyre Campbell was shooting the lights out. He's got a green light, and that's good to see him shooting like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely some some interesting takeaways, but uh, one of mine is that Jaime Jaquez, he's an absolute psychopath, and that's awesome. He's just <laughs> he's a he's a tough dude, and when he does get back on the court, it'll be great because he's he's just a dog. No, he definitely is. Jaime is the heart and soul of this team. Um, like obviously Juzang and Tiger, you know they're but like they go as far as, as Jaime is going to take them. You know he's the heart and soul. He's the guy that gets the does the dirty work. He scores outside. He rebounds inside. Plays the tough defense. Um, yeah. So like when he went down, I was a little scared. I was just like, you know, those kind of fouls are hard fouls. So like, you know, he maybe could have had a concussion. And you know, obviously, Coach Cronin like thinking about, you know, he has a future. So he's like, I'm not going to risk it over Colorado. No disrespect to Colorado, but I'm not going <laughs> to risk it. <laughs> you know, I, he probably thought we can beat them no matter what. And so, like, you could just tell it was one of those games when you lose, like, your 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 leader, you know, your, your you know, like, their physical leader in a game that UCLA was, you know, kind of back and forth. But it's always good. People don't understand, like, it's always good to get uh, conference wins. Uh, conference wins are very hard to come by. Um, no matter, even if the team is sorry or, quote, unquote, not good, they play you tough because they're not scared of you, you know. They play it tough all the time. I remember when I was at UCLA, Washington State was like, you know, not good at all. But every time we would go play Washington State, it would be like a tough game. We would have to win <laughs> very, very close. You know, it was always tough. And they didn't mean how they have a lot of fans, but it was just like a situation where conference games are really hard to win by. So come by. So it's really good to get a win. Yeah. And it's, uh... We got the the early Pac-12 schedule, which started, I think, last year, maybe the year before. So uh, a, a little little cushion that UCLA starts the the real Pac-12 season 2-0. So that's that's not bad. Uh, I just want to move on, touch on the Marquette game coming up this week a little bit. Uh, just looking over how they've done so far this year. Um, they 
are not perfect, but they've beaten some pretty good teams and they've hung with some other ones. So I'm just looking. They I know they be, they beat Illinois, who was top ten at the time uh, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago back mm-hmm. at Gavitt. Uh, and then they right after that they beat Ole Miss. Uh, then they beat West Virginia. So those that's three wins in a row, pretty good right there. They start the season. I think it was five and out. And then they lose to St. Bonaventure's, who's good, top 25 team there. Uh, they come back with a couple wins against smaller schools, and they lose to Wisconsin, who's top 25. So they play, they're they're also going through a gauntlet of their own. I think that's three top 25 teams, and that's before they even get to UCLA. So they they've faced some some pretty good tests. They're playing Kansas State on Wednesday. So they're gonna have that one under their belt too. Maybe it helps because they're a little tired out. UCLA gets the 10 days of rest going into it, and, and Marquette's coming off Wisconsin and Kansas State pretty quickly. Or maybe it works in their favor, and they get some momentum built up in these big games. So we'll see. It'll be up in uh, up in Wisconsin, and that, that'll be pretty cool. I, I know Mick Cronin said he, he's looking forward to that place being sold out, and I, it, it should definitely be a good game. Oh, no, it's going to be a hard fought game. Marquette has some talent. They have some, you know, some real talent. And I think I think there will be a tournament team. I'm pretty sure there'll be a tournament team this year. Um, you know, I think they'll win about, you know, in between maybe 18 to 20, 23 games in that range. Uh, maybe less, maybe more. But, like, I'm thinking there'll be a tournament team. There'll be one of those, like, eight seeds or something like that, you know, 11 seeds, you know, things like that. But, um. You know, to play, you know, in Wisconsin is going to be it's going to be cold, you know, yep. different, different, <laughs> different climate. Uh, it's going to be packed because they love their teams. Um, it's going to be something different for UCLA. You know, I think uh, they really haven't had uh, a tough road test so far this year. Um, you know, the Gonzaga game was more of a neutral site game. So it was they had both fans uh, and they played obviously Villanova at home. So this would be like the first kind of really tough test um, for them on the road, you know, which is strictly they're going into a gym to where, you know, like they're not being liked. And it's going to be interesting to see how they respond. Hopefully Jaime plays. Um, I, being the 10 days he should play, um, he'll probably be cleared, and you know, by then. And so, you know, these kind of games kind of give you, it's like a testing period for the season, you know, like how you respond in hostile environments. Yeah, definitely. And I think the the way that they're built is definitely going to be huge in terms of Jaime Hawkins is, is going to be more important than ever in this game. Because, yeah, Marquette's pretty deep as in they have, what is it, uh, like 10 guys who are averaging five points per game or more. So that's that's pretty good. They got a deep rotation and they got a good coach uh, in Shaka Smart who came over from Texas and obviously has some NCAA tournament experience. Um, mm-hmm. But of, of those guys... Only two of them average more than eight points per game. Uh, and, and I I feel like I like UCLA's defenders, just whether it's Jules Bernard and David Singleton, the, these guys who are coming off the bench or play, playing less minutes or aren't guarding the best guys. I think they're pretty good defenders, so I'm not worried about any of those other guys going off. But it's Justin Lewis and it's Daryl uh, Morcel, who are the guys both averaging 15, 16 a game. And Lewis, he's averaging 16 points, eight rebounds. He's 6'7", 235. That's a prime guy for Jaime to go up against, and Lewis is a freshman, so Jaime, with that physicality, with that he, he's a junior, he's got that more veteran mindset. 
he's a, one of the few guys who can kind of shut down Justin Lewis. You see him do that with certain guys in, in March Madness last year. You've seen him do it so far this year. So it's going to be really important that he's out there playing because uh, if not, I think Lewis and Morsell can kind of can kind of beat you pretty quick. No, I definitely agree with you. I think that um, Jaime, like I said, he's the heart and soul of the team. Um, as he goes, they go, you know. Um, I, he reminds me so much of Draymond Green, what he is the Golden State Warriors for what the, what, you know, what, what he is for the Bruins, that he's the heart and soul. He plays the toughest guys. He's the most physical on the team. It's just, you know, I mean, he's a great player and they need him to, you know, have a great season this year. But let's just, you know, well, they need him to play well this game because, like you said, Marquette has some talent. The, the freshman kid has some talent. Uh, 16 and 8 is is no is nothing to sneeze at as a freshman. And, and considering the schedule they played so far, it means you must be pretty good. Now, I've seen Shaka Smart's teams, you know, in, uh, with Texas and with uh, – I can't think of the other team. He's a VCU. Yeah, VCU. Yeah. Like, he likes to spread everything around. He doesn't necessarily have one player that's getting 25, 30 points. He likes to have eight players get like seven. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and have maybe two guys getting like like they are a 16, 17 game, but he wants to have eight, nine, 10 players, you know, score up. So everybody has confidence. That's his kind of game plan. Everybody can have confidence. Yeah, that, that'll definitely be big, especially riding that home crowd on, on their side of things. Uh, and we'll, we'll see if UCLA can kind of can weather that and power through, get get a true road victory. Because, yeah, you're saying they haven't really faced a true road test. You had that UNLV game, but that wasn't much of a hostile crowd. Uh, so Marquette will, will definitely be a little tougher. And we'll see how that goes. That game is coming up on Saturday. It'll be a morning game just because of the the time difference and everything mm -hmm. it's going to tip mm -hmm. off at 11 30 a.m so keep an eye out for that and we'll be giving our thoughts and reactions uh the day after when when we're all set and, and we we see how it goes so we're going to move on to our, our last little topic of the day uh head back to football i, I will say we're going to talk some some transfers but there's there's one potential move that would be kind of totally out of left field but i i'd I'd be upset if we were recording next week and it's the first time we talk about it. So I just have to bring it up quickly before we get into the guys who are coming and going and all that. Chip Kelly at this point is probably not going to get fired. There's enough out there saying he's going to get an extension offered. Maybe he has, maybe he hasn't already, but Oregon, their coach, Mario Cristobal, he is at the, the time of recording, most likely probably leaving to go to Miami. So you got crystal ball going to Miami where he played uh, it, back in his college days, grew up there. He's got family there. Uh, it's been kind of some buzz around that for a little bit, but then you got uh, a vacancy in Oregon now, and there's been a little bit of buzz. I think it was uh, John Canzano who, who initially threw out the idea of does Chip Kelly go back to Oregon, <laughs> which I saw that. And I'm like, Oh, that has to be a joke, but people, people are talking about it. Who knows? Maybe by the time we're recording this next week, Chip's back in Eugene. I I don't know how it could possibly happen, but I that would well, be insane. It'd be chaotic. And I not saying I would love to see Chip gone, but I would love to see that happen just for the pure chaos factor of it. That would be insane. 
How much chaos has it been so far? I mean, who thought, <laughs> yeah, right, right? Who thought that USC would get Lincoln Riley to leave Oklahoma, you know? And then the very next day, it seemed like LSU turns around and gets Brian Kelly. I mean, yeah. you know, like to leave Notre Dame. And so I look, nothing's impossible. Um, if, if if the coach does leave Oregon because like we didn't discuss it, obviously, but Oregon got thrashed again by uh, Utah. <laughs> yes, uh, they did. <laughs> so it's just <laughs> some teams are just bad matchups. I think Utah was just a terrible matchup for Oregon because they're just so physical. Yeah. Um, and this Oregon just couldn't handle their physicality. But no, and that's neither here nor there. Now, if he leaves Oregon for Miami, uh, yeah, like Chip Kelly to Oregon makes a lot of sense. Now imagine the because Oregon's one of those schools that, you know, have Phil Knight, so they can write a blank check, whatever you want, right? Uh, UCLA's money doesn't matter to Oregon because Oregon has the same kind of money. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I don't think he would do it. I think he I think he signs the extension with UCLA. I don't think he wants to have to go back to Oregon, start over again. But, you know, never say never. Yeah, yeah. You, you never know what's going on in these, these rooms, these negotiation rooms, whatever the – the details and, and everything are with these contracts and these deals and these add-ons and who knows, maybe Jarman and someone at UCLA says, says something that Chip doesn't like. And he says, you know what? I'm, I'm taking my ball and going home. I'm going back to Oregon. So <laughs> <laughs> just now that we've talked about that, just to say we've talked about it, just in case anything crazy happens, uh, let's wrap things up here. Quickly talking about the transfer portal for UCLA. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got seven guys going out. Uh, most notably, uh, they got DJ Warnell safety. He was a he was he was playing a good amount in second string. Uh, same with Miles Jackson, the edge rusher. Uh, he was second string. Parker McQuarrie, quarterback. He used to be a four star coming out of high school. Uh, and then yeah, and then they got Luke Akers, starting punter, um, who apparently wanted to also be a kicker too, but didn't get that shot at UCLA. Uh, and now they no punter on the roster for the bowl game will be pretty interesting. Uh, they, they got a preferred walk on chase Barry coming in next year's he's got five stars from all the kicking camps and everything. So I think they will be set long-term, but it'll be interesting in the bowl game, but <laughs> I don't know, Travis, just to give a, a, a broader perspective to it, because you, you transferred from UCLA to long beach when, when after it was two seasons. Uh, so obviously it's different for everyone, but can you just kind of, just get, give your thoughts on what the the mindset is like when you decide to transfer away, like w- how much it kind of stings or you're looking forward to getting, go, going somewhere else, but also have a, a, a certain place for your heart for UCLA. Well, I would say this, you know, when I was at UCLA and, and this it goes to this day, like I love UCLA, you know, like I love UCLA, I always love UCLA, grew up, you know, loving UCLA um, since I was a kid. So for me, it was heartbreaking, you know, at one point, I thought that I was not going to, I was going to just go to UCLA and not play sports. Um, but what happened was I just thought that, you know, me doing that, I would cut a career short that maybe didn't need to be cut short. So in my mindset, and obviously you got to remember back then, when you transferred, you had to sit out a year, no matter what. It could be mm-hmm. medical, it can be whatever. Um, transfer portal now is that you can go somewhere else and go play right away um it wasn't like that you know you had to it was a trying time I think for me you know 
trying to figure out wasn't going to leave UCLA, and especially the fact that I left for Long Beach State. Everybody was like, you don't leave UCLA to go to Long Beach State. You know, <laughs> Long Beach State is a small school, but I didn't really care about that. Um, it being a mid-major or whatever, I just wanted to play. So these kids that are leaving UCLA and going for transfer protocol, I think they just want, they want to play, you know, and wherever that is, uh, wherever they go, you know, I wish them the best. I think that it's always up to you at the individual, not up to school, not up to the, you know, you know, uh, coaching and things like that because all coaches want their players to stay uh but in reality in life like everybody doesn't play so if I want to leave when I left I was like I'm gonna go to Long Beach State and start and play all my games and uh and that's what happened on with Long Beach State uh that's what the, these kids are thinking you know like look I just want to go somewhere and play and have fun you know yeah, it's just, it's just so different now. It's just so different now. But yeah. yeah, I'm kind of curious from from your point of view as someone who had to go and, and you had to sit out a year, what your thoughts are on guys kind of being immediately eligible and, and even having extra years of eligibility because of COVID and everything. So you got guys who who came here for two years and they can go start playing for four years at their next school next year. So I'm just curious, like, oh. is that is that great for the players? Are you happy to see that development? I know there were some coaches initially who weren't on board, but it's 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 a it's a wild time. It's a wild west, but it's it's it is what it is. So I'm curious what your thoughts are. I love it for the players now. I hate it because I wish I could have done that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you get an extra year because of COVID. You get to. You know, you get an extra year, you get you get to play right away. I mean, gosh, Lee, where was that <laughs> when I was in, when I was in college? I know coaches hate it because it's like a meat market when it comes to players. So, mm-hmm. like, if you're unhappy, say I'm, I go to UCLA now, and UCLA basketball is a perfect example of transfer portal. Guess what? Their best player, quote unquote, Johnny Juzang. Juzang went to Kentucky, played a little bit, but not as much as he thought. Went to UCLA, became a first-team All-American, you know? And, you know, like I said, for I'm happy for players kind of taking the power back in UCLA, giving them some power to where it's no, like, they don't just be stuck at a university just because it's a university. Now, do I think that some players kind of tug off the rope a little too fast? Yes. Because I think some players are like, I just want to go somewhere and play. I don't want to compete, you know? Um... I think that, you know, like now that's, that's what makes it feel like that's how I feel about it. Sometimes they, you know, some players, not all, but I think, like I said, in, in a UCLA situation, they got the best shooter in college basketball off a of transfer portal and then get a chance to come in and literally go to the final four and be a top five school the next year, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you still to the football team. This is a, a team built off of transfers. Pretty much. You got Quantrez Knight, you got Mitch Gouda, you got Caleb Johnson, you got Zach Charbonnet. Uh, you just have a ton of guys who came here either as grad transfers or just as regular transfers. You got Obi Ebo, Cam Johnson. There's all of these guys who are really important to the team. It's something that that Chip Kelly seems to really like in terms of how he builds his teams. And he, he likes working with those older players. Uh, so the, they'll definitely be in the market to add guys, even though they got seven guys who are going. Uh, but they they can replace them. Uh, not to say that oh they suck they're replaceable, but just kind of that's how the market works now. You lose some, you gain some, and and you you net out and see what you got. You know, I 100% agree with you. Um, every year is going to be like this. You know, this is what it is now. This period mm-hmm. is what it is. You're going to get 
uh, a gang of people leaving, a lot of people leaving, and you're going to get a lot of people trying to come in. It's going to just be like that. I don't know if you saw that those Dr. Pepper commercials about the fans, Bill, where the guy's like, my time is now, you know, (laughs) (laughs) which which is so perfect because that's literally the same exact thing that popped into my head when Luke Akers said he was going to transfer out this week because of the end of that ad. So they have their their quarterback leave and you got the fans saying like, oh, he sucked anyways, whatever. And you get someone (laughs) come come to the, the, the Dr. Pepper town or whatever. And he's like, hey, does anyone need a punter? (laughs) <laughs> and they're like, nah, I'm good. It's like, I got Dr. Pepper. So yeah, yeah, we'll take it. So, so wherever Luke Akers goes, I hope he brings a case of Dr. Pepper with him because apparently that's the magic key. But, agree, but, man, agree. But, but also, I think I, I'm really interested. I'm I'm happy to see Parker McQuarrie leave, uh, not because I wanted him out of UCLA or anything, but because just seeing him come in as a recruit, he's like six, 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 seven. Uh, he was a four-star. He was a top player coming out of New Hampshire. It's just such like a, an interesting blend, and you knew he was never going to get time at, at UCLA. It, obviously, his first two years here is behind DTR, and moving forward, he could be behind Garbers or Justin Martin. Maybe he becomes a starter pretty soon, and he probably wasn't going to play. So I hope he goes somewhere and, and starts right away because I'm really interested to see what he's able to do. No, no, definitely. Like I said, it's always interesting to see what the transfers in and transfer out. I think Chip Kelly, Chip Kelly, what he's done was, uh, especially this past year, bring all these grad transfers because they know how to play the college game. They just got to know how to play his system. And it, it worked out. I mean, yeah, they won a lot of games. They won eight games. So um, that's just the kind of this. That's just like the new thing of college football. It's going to be that, you know, especially, like I said, in football, because there's so many players and everybody can't play and now like they're giving them the power to where like look if i ain't playing why would i waste another year i can you know transfer out you know go from alabama to ucla transfer out and go start yeah you know? Ali he did that this year linebacker yeah, and he, you know, he blocked a punt he's pretty good that's what i'm saying so like they can just come <laughs> in boom you know i think ucla is gonna be because now that you know, let's just be honest. Now that Lincoln Riley's at SC, uh, the top, top recruits are going to be coming to SC, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that UCLA is going to be getting, they're going to go to transfer protocol to get those kind of guys because they're not going to be able to compete with the UCLA, you know, USC's anymore, which is my opinion. Yeah, They'll get some, definitely. They'll get some, but not all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it happens. USC is going to come back to prominence at the very least as, as a recruiting power. Uh, but probably on the field too. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, I And also you got all the rumors about Spencer Rattler maybe coming to UCLA. Some people are saying, oh, it's like 90% chance. Like, oh, some people are, are officially predicting it who are tapped into recruiting circles. And other people are saying like, no, they would never. So, I mean, personally, I feel like he wouldn't really be a culture fit from what I've heard about him. But I don't really care because it'd be really fun and really interesting I, and who knows, maybe he comes and competes with, with, uh, with Garbers, Chase Garbers and I don't know, loses out on the job, or maybe he comes and he wins a Heisman. I don't know. Last time UCLA got a transfer from Oklahoma, things turned out pretty well. So <laughs> at the very least it'd be wildly interesting. And I, I, I would really like to see how it all plays out. Look, to be honest, you know, that will be his system. Chip Kelly's system is perfect for Spencer Rattler. You know, it's perfect because it's a running, like a, a running, a mobile quarterback kind of system. You know, Spencer Rattler can run. He can throw it. 
Uh, he's, I don't think, you know, I think he had too much hype on him this year at Oklahoma. Uh, but, you know, if, they, you know, if you say, you know, DT goes pro, you know, Chip Kelly needs a quarterback. Spencer Rattler did, right there. It worked out pretty well. I mean, you, you'd have to get him at the right offensive line because that was kind of an issue this year at Oklahoma, how things kind of went downhill. Their, mm-hmm. their offensive line had kind of deteriorated from where it was in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this UCLA offensive line is definitely going to have some holes to fill at the very least at left tackle when Sean Ryan goes to the NFL draft because he's probably going to be a first-round pick. So they're going to need a replacement there. Once again, they're probably going to look to the transfer market to, to fill some holes on the offensive line. So uh, <laughs> it, it's the circle of life, the, the circle of the transfer portal. That's just the story of college football nowadays, like you were saying. So now that we have pretty much covered all of that, just want to say thank you so much for listening. That's going to be it for this week's episode of Believe in UCLA. So uh, make sure to, to like, subscribe, turn on notifications, share, do whatever. If you made it this far, you're at least uh, you're either a fan or you're hate listening. And I don't know, maybe you want other people to hate listen with you. So <laughs> all up to you. Just get the word out there. Uh, Travis, where can people find you? Where, where can they find your, your work, you on social media? Just give yourself a little shout out here. No problem. No problem. Well, you can follow me at at Travis W. Reed on Instagram at Travis W. Reed on Instagram because you wouldn't believe how many people name is Travis Reed and Travis W. Reed on Facebook. Pretty much uh, you can check me out. Uh, I put all of my uh, work on Instagram and Facebook. So any shows, any any interviews, anything like that, I'll be uh, be posting it uh, on all my on my social media platforms. Cool. And you can find me on Twitter at Sam Conan. Uh, and you can also find all Bruins on Sports Illustrated at SI underscore all Bruins. So you can check out all the UCLA content there. This show will be going up there. There's plenty to talk about with bowl season, basketball, non-conference, conference play, NCAA tournaments. Everything's going on. So uh, you can just get your fix there. And I uh, just want to say thanks again for listening. And we'll see you next week. See you. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.